The New Orleans Saints made the right decision hiring soon-to-be-named offensive coordinator Clint Kubiak. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? I am your host, Ross Jackson, your New Orleans native, New Orleans Saints expert, credentialed member of the media covering those New Orleans Saints as a senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network. And on today's episode, it's in case you missed it. We're going to get you caught up from everything, all the big stories from around the week. We're going to take a look at some of the big coaching staff changes for New Orleans, how a Clint Kubiak offense will look in New Orleans, and why the New Orleans Saints made the right decision hiring Clint Kubiak as their soon-to-be-named offensive coordinator. Got all that coming up for you on today's show. We appreciate you very much for being an everydayer and making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Saints is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code Locked On for $20 off of your first purchase. So kicking off today's show, the New Orleans Saints made the absolute right decision hiring passing game specialist for the San Francisco 49ers, Clint Kubiak, as their next offensive coordinator. Now, that hire is not official, as we all know, because it cannot become official until after the Super Bowl. But hey, look, the New Orleans Saints went out there and got themselves an offensive coordinator from a team that's so busy playing in the Super Bowl that they have to wait to hire them. That's not a bad situation to be in at all if you're a team that has struggled to get things together consistently on the offensive side of the football over the course of the uh, last few years. I've got three reasons why this is the right hire for the New Orleans Saints. Let's start big picture on that, on those reasons. The number one thing for me is that the New Orleans Saints have finally turned the page, right? They finally turned the Sean Payton page, the Sean Pageon, if you will, and have gotten themselves to the point where they are building a new identity for themselves that will define who they are presently as a New Orleans Saints organization, as an organization, as a franchise as opposed to continuing to being defined by the absence or presence of what used to be. This is a good step forward for the New Orleans Saints, and I think that it's the right decision for them. The second reason why this is the right decision is that not only are they building their identity and their new identity, but they're building it with someone from the right tree. Now, I know that Clint Kubiak only spent the season with Kyle Shanahan, but he's not going to be doing this alone. The New Orleans Saints have completely wiped out their offensive staff, meaning, well, with the exception of Clancy Barone, who's, you know, Will Smith standing in the, in the banks, uh, you know, mansion looking around in the empty room and everything, Clancy Barone all by himself amongst the rest of that, the, the former positions, uh, the position, uh, coaching staff there, but they made all those moves so that Clint Kubiak can bring that Kyle Shanahan offense and influence with the help of others. We could see Folks like, uh, you know, uh, Craig, uh, the offensive line coach, assistant offensive line coach, He, you could see him come over. You could see a guy like Clay Kubiak, Clint's younger brother, come over from that San Francisco 49ers offensive coaching staff. There's a lot of opportunity to build the right staff around Kubiak to bring that Kyle Shanahan offense and a little bit of that Gary Kubiak influence as well. I do think we're going to see a marriage of the two. We'll discuss what that will look like here in a little bit. And then the third reason why I think that this is the right decision for the New Orleans Saints 
is that they're doing the thing that they need to do to maximize the talent that they still have on this roster. I don't think Michael Thomas will be back in 2024. I never thought that he would be back in 2024 from the moment that he took the incentive-laden 2023 deal, but you still have good talent on this roster. You've got Chris Olave, Rashid Jaheed, the, you know, what, what will A.T. Perry be in his second year? Because he showed a lot of promise at the end of his first year. Juwan Johnson, Foster Moreau, Alvin Kamara, who may be the biggest benefactor of this new offensive system that we will see, along with guys like Kendra Miller and, of course, Jamal Williams as well, Taysom Hill. There are good weapons on this team when it comes to skill position players. I do think that this will be a good situation for the quarterback as well. These Shanahan systems, even the Kubiak system from from the Gary Kubiak days, very quarterback-friendly systems. They want you to get the ball out quickly. They want you to make good reads. They want you to make good decisions, and they want you to deliver an accurate pass. And there's no such thing as a quarterback that doesn't want all of those things too. It's a very quarterback-friendly system that effectively gives you a couple of spots to throw to with each, with each play, and you just have to know if this safety is there or this de defender has moved over here or this linebacker drops over there. That means that this is the area of the field that's open. And then you go to the spots as opposed to the receivers. This is a very, um, I, I don't want to say easy to translate, but let's just say this is a system that translates successfully from quarterback to quarterback to quarterback to quarterback. We've seen it work for Tua Tagovailoa and turn his career around. We've seen it work uh, at for, uh, 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 what's his name, Kirk Cousins. We've seen it work for Brock Purdy, Sam Darnold, Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, we have seen this work for basically everyone but Trey Lance. And so, and, and a lot of that was because they were trying to do different things with Trey Lance because of his mobility. So it, it, it's, it's an, again, I don't want to call it easy to translate, but it's a successfully uh, translatable offense, quarterback to quarterback to quarterback. So those are the three reasons why I think that it's the right choice, but there's a big must here. Last year, the New Orleans Saints in Dennis Allen's second year or, or ahead of Dennis Allen's second year, rather, rather, they wiped out their entire defensive coaching staff and then they brought in an all new defensive coaching staff that was built in Dennis Allen's vision. Now, this year, his third year, you're doing the same thing, but you're wiping out the entirety of the offensive coaching staff and rebuilding the offensive coaching staff in a new vision, right? Not necessarily Dennis Allen's vision, but Dennis Allen hires Clint Kubiak, and therefore it's Clint Kubiak's vision as appointed by Dennis Allen. This is the last of the excuses when it comes to the new when it comes for the New Orleans Saints. There's there is no missing the playoffs in 2024. Or excuse me, there's no missing the playoffs in 2024 and things not being drastically changed in 2025. Okay. This is exactly what it is that New Orleans Saints needed to do. It was the right decision. Uh, and also, it removes any excuses for failure or mediocrity moving forward. They've made the changes that they want to make. I doubt that week one through four are going to be massively successful over on the offensive side, but ideally, weeks five and on or so are the times that you see everything kind of settle in, and then you see the production over the last six or seven games of 2023 happen over the course of the last 13 games of 2024, which would be ideal because you could probably still struggle on the offensive side through the first four games and win a game, right? Unlikely you're going to start 0-4, but if this team starts 1-3, I'm not hitting a panic button at that point, but if they get to the point where they're 1-5, 1-6, 1-7, eject, we're out of here, we're done, like no excuses, had what you needed, stuff like that. So ideally that won't be the case, but I don't expect this to be massively successful starting week one. So let's discuss what 
this system will look like, where everybody's drawing the Shanahan conclusion, but there's a bit of a Kubiak, Gary Kubiak influence, I imagine will travel with his son, Clint Kubiak, as well as the soon-to-be-named, so far unofficial, offensive coordinator of the New Orleans Saints. Let's break down what that will look like as we continue on with this In Case You Missed It episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA as well? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost with every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar that you transfer in from other retirement accounts with that 3% match. That's right, no cap on that 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now let's get to some legal info. Claims as of quarter one of 2024, validated by uh, Radius Global Market Research. Investing includes risk, including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of your first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to specific terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker dealer. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by friends at Nissan. Are you the type of person that likes to push things just a little bit further? Ever wonder what adventure could be right around the next corner? Well, our friends over at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs that have the capabilities to take all of your adventures to the next level. We'll start off with the Nissan Rogue 2024, the Alvin Camara, if you will. Versatile, it's perfect for city streets, as well as great escapes, perfect mid-size crossover as well for your next adventure. They've got a lot of really cool stuff in there, including the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system. So they give you a little bit of everything. The Nissan Pathfinder maybe gets you back to those maybe John Kuhn type days, right? Those Michael Burton fullback days. Has room for up to eight with an expansive cargo capacity and has advanced available 4x4 capability as well. Tows up to 16,000 pounds in towing over there. So when your next adventure calls, the Pathfinder is there to answer. So take the Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada on your next big adventure. Shop today at NissanUSA.com. All right, family, the New Orleans Saints are set to have a brand new offense in 2024. Thanks to the hire of Clint Kubiak. Let's break down what it should look like. Appreciate you very much. Make a Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget to go and check out the first ever YouTube 24-7 national sports stream over at Locked on Sports today. All the top stories, local experts, as well as our national experts that cover every league. Check them out today at Locked on Sports today on YouTube for that first ever 24-7 national sports YouTube stream. All right, so as we look at where the New Orleans Saints are headed with this hire of Clint Kubiak, the big question is, well, what will the offense look like and how does it match the personnel of the New Orleans Saints? So in case you missed it, we've we've broken this down a little bit in the past, but I want to give you some of the things to watch for during Sunday's game in the Super Bowl so that you can kind of get an idea of what it is that you go, oh, okay, when I see that, that's what I'm expecting to see in New Orleans. Like that's a little bit about what that's going to bring. And these are going to be mostly the Shanahan-isms, uh, but I'll highlight some of the Gary Kubiak-isms that I imagine would come uh, with Clint Kubiak as well. The first thing that I'll use, and, and I'll use my good friend Brandon Olson's word when he describes 
anything having to do with a Kyle Shanahan offense and definitely something that's easy to watch for on Sunday during that, that the big game against the Kansas City Chiefs is misdirection, right? And misdirection can happen in a couple of different ways. There's misdirections in terms of, you know, run execution to where you might hand the ball off over the right hip in shotgun or in pistol, but then the running back, instead of running to the right side of the offense, cuts back and runs what we call a counter run over to the left side. So that's an easy version of misdirection. But other things would be take a wide receiver that's got good speed, let's say a Rashid Shaheed, run him in a big motion that orbits your quarterback, basically all the way around your quarterback, and then snap the ball as he passes. This takes a lot of attention over to the right side of the field where that wide receiver is running to. So if he's going from left to right, that pulls a lot of motion there. Quarterback takes the snap, looks there quickly, but then dumps off to the running back on the left side of the field where the motion came from. Or there's a crossing pattern that goes from the right side after the snap that allows you to be able to dump the ball off over to the left side. So being able to take advantage of things like that. Other opportunities and other things that could potentially happen are how do you misdirect in terms of your formation? Bring two tight ends out, two wide receivers out, and a running back as your five skill position players. You imagine that the run is going to the heavy side with the two tight ends, but instead you can motion that that quarterback or that uh, that running back out, have them run a route. All of a sudden, you're putting five routes out there as opposed to actually running to that side. This was a big thing that the San Francisco 49ers did here recently that Benjamin Solak broke down in some of his uh, in, in some of his film study over on Super Bowl Radio Row. Really, really good stuff. So those are all different ways you can create misdirection. Misdirection doesn't doesn't literally have to mean direction, making the you know uh, defense look one way while you're attacking the other way. That is one version of it for sure. But another version is simply setting up an expectation that you then counter, right? Which is here's this super run heavy formation out of the pistol formation, which is like, okay, two tight ends on a heavy side with one, two wide receivers over on the other side with the you know quarterback and shotgun and a, a running back behind that. They're running the football is usually the indicator there. And so you misdirect by setting up the expectation of a run but then throw it. Uh, think about it as a better version of a third and long draw play, right? Draw run. It's the better version uh, of that. The other thing that I think that you're looking for to potentially come over is, of course, going to be, and, and just to highlight this specifically, the motion, right? This, just to remind you of the numbers last year, according to, uh, according to uh, I believe it was Seth Waldron, or Waldman, who said it was the Saints that ran 14.3% motion, which was like 26 in the NFL. Meanwhile, San Francisco was second in the league there at 37.7% of their snaps, including some kind of motion. But it's not just the usage of motion, it's the diversity of what the motion looks like. Nick Underhill did a great breakdown of the orbit motion, for instance, over at New Orleans.Football. So the orbit motion would be a different style of motion than just your general crossing motion where you take somebody from one side of the field, motion them to the other side of the field. You can also do hops and things like that to where your running back is on the left left hip and then you exchange to the right hip of the quarterback in shotgun, little things like that. So there's lots of different types of motion. There's also what kind of took the NFL by storm last year called the cheat motion or the speed motion, where let's say you line up with three wide receivers over on the outside. Let's say that the outside most one is number one, the inside middle one is number three, and then the inside or is number two, and then the inside most one is number three. You could take number three from the inside of that formation, motion him full speed to the outside of one, 
snap the ball to get them a bit of a running start. It kind of replicates what you see in like the Canadian football leagues where you'll see the run up and then snap at the line of scrimmage, right? So it creates a little bit of momentum, allows that receiver to be able to be at full speed effectively off the snap or more or get to top speed sooner off the snap or simply draw eyes to one place, cross number one over to the middle of the field and then be able to hit where number three had just vacated, things like that. So lots of interesting ways to continue to utilize motion. But remember, it's not just, and this is what to watch for on Sunday, it's not just how many snaps or what's the percentage of motion that's used. It's what are the different styles of motion, types of motion that they're using and how do they impact the defense? Those are a couple of things. That's the big thing to watch uh, when it comes to motion this weekend as well. So not only how often do they run it, but what are the different ways that they use it? The other piece is going to be uh, simplifying the read of the field. Now, Derek Carr, to me, processes the field just fine. I know that was a big complaint about him early on last year. Got much better at it throughout the season when he got more comfortable with the system. But he's a high-level processor. He's played the game for 10 years. Like You expect that he's going to be able to read the field. So do you need to simplify the field for him? Maybe not. But does it hurt to do so? Absolutely not. Look at the wonders that it did from Matthew Stafford when he went from the Detroit offense, where he was a high-level processor, delivered the ball well, made good decisions, did all of those things. But then he went over to uh, to the Sean McVay offense, where Sean McVay says, here's three spots for you to throw the ball each and every play. Pick one that's based upon what the field read is. Make one read, and then you know this area is open, that pocket's open, or this pocket's open. So I'm going to one of three spots on the field, or I'm checking down on my running back, looking to create, or I'm throwing the football away, whatever it might be. And it worked wonders for him, showed up there, won a Super Bowl, and then has been back in the playoffs, right? So I think that's the benefit that you're hoping that a simplified ability or a simplified read of the field will boost the ability to process the field a lot more, much like it did for Matthew Stafford going to Los Angeles, bringing the Shanahan or San Francisco offense to New Orleans should have a similar effect for Derek Carr. You just need everyone to be on the same page. So that's where personnel adjustments and things like that might have to happen. But for the most part, you can kind of see how things can translate with what the Saints have. And really, you're looking at adding talent versus replacing talent in that conversation of how do you make the Saints personnel work with the Shanahan system. Now, one other thing that I'll mention is uh, the Kubiak influence of this. Remember, Clint Kubiak, the son of Gary Kubiak, who was also a successful offensive coach in the NFL. He had a very different approach, limited playbook, six, half a dozen to a dozen plays that you know you use maybe plays one through five and then seven and eight. In one game, you might use you know two through six and then nine in another game, right? And things like that. But all that the is is that you're kind of you know sequencing those plays and making things work, um, saving some stuff for the second half, yada yada. The thing that makes that nice is that you get really good at just like you build the muscle, build the muscle, build the muscle, build the muscle, and then you play the song that you know over and over again, but you sequence it in a way that keeps the defense on its toes. So the ability to simplify the offense, which we saw benefit the New Orleans Saints midseason last year, is something that Clint Kubiak would also bring. Doesn't mean that he has to do it. He'll, you know, it can bring the Shanahan stuff first, but then if needed at some point to minimize the playbook a bit. Um, go off of what, and and look, there's different reasons to do that. The offense is struggling. Sure. Quarterback is struggling. Sure. Quarterback injury. You got a backup quarterback in. Yes. Like there's a lot of different reasons to be able to do that. So, uh, or even just for the Taysom Hill game plan, here's five Taysom Hill plays that the team really likes. This is what we're cycling through when he's on the field, things like that. So that's the, the Kubiak ism of it all that you add to the Shanahan-esque-ness 
uh, of it all that you expect to show up here in New Orleans. So lots of good things potentially on the way for the New Orleans Saints. Just need to see how long it takes for them to understand and be able to execute properly that new system, which remains to be seen. That's why the coaching changes are so important. So up next, we're going to do our rapid fire in case you missed it, get you caught up on everything, every position that's open, every person that's left, and every person that could be a candidate, as well as Jari Evans not getting into the Hall of Fame, which opens up one really cool possibility. Got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy football made easy. You pick two to six players, choose whether or not they're going to come in at more or less than their player stat projections, and boom, you get to watch the winnings roll in. And right now, with the big game right around the corner, Prize Picks makes it even more easy and even more exciting because you can turn every game changing moment into a hundred times your money with as little as four correct picks. You can turn $10 into $1,000. Super, super cool stuff there, including, here's a gimme, if Patrick Mahomes throws for more than one yard in the big game, you can win at Prize Picks. Yeah, it's that simple. So go and check them out today, prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL, promo code in all lowercase, LockedOnNFL, that way you're going to get a first deposit match up to $100. It's a first deposit match up to $100 at prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL, promo code LockedOnNFL, picks, pick more, Pick less, it's that easy. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. Getting you caught up with all the big stories around the New Orleans Saints for this week as we wrap up in case you missed it with a little bit of rapid fire. Gonna get you caught up with everything that you need to know going into this weekend. So we appreciate you very much as always for being here. Don't forget, we are your team every day. So we'll be back Monday with our mock draft Monday and hopefully official news that Clint Kubiak is the New Orleans Saints offensive coordinator. I know some folks are a little bit concerned that he's that there's the potential for him to kind of turn heel about face, kind of go back on the job and things like that. It just doesn't seem likely that that's on the way. So all good news so far on that front. And uh, we'll be keeping you up to date with all of it until it's official, which will hopefully be at the beginning of next week. All right. So um, the first thing that I want to start off with here is that um, New Orleans Saints offensive lineman, legendary offensive lineman, Jari Evans was a uh, finalists to get into the Hall of Fame this year. NFL Honors was last night. He did not get into the Hall of Fame, which is unfortunate. However, um, it does set up a really cool opportunity because Jari Evans is one of the best guards to ever play the game. There's no doubt about that. Uh, it's tough sometimes as an offensive lineman when you're going up against, you know, look, you also saw guys like Torrey Holt and Devin Hester not, you know, or, or Torrey Holt and, you know, these other guys not get in. And so with all of that, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Like if they didn't get in and Jari didn't get in, like, okay, well, we could see. Like that's how good this class of potential Hall of Famers were. The cool thing that this sets up though is that Jari Evans will likely get in for the, for next year when the Super Bowl is going to be here in New Orleans. That's really neat. Like to have the Super Bowl here in New Orleans, to have a guy from New Orleans or, or you know, from the New Orleans team, uh, from the Saints, get into the Hall of Fame all the same year and stuff like that, because there's all the, the Super Bowl festivities and things like that that happen around that, the, the the awards and all those other things too. That's just a really cool opportunity. So fingers crossed we see Jari Evans get in next year. And then just keep in mind that that also means that the following year, that's when Drew Brees becomes eligible for the first time. And that's the first ballot Hall of Fame guy right there, or or we are taken to the streets. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the first ballot Hall of Fame guy there for sure. All right, in case you missed it, New Orleans Saints have moved on from effectively their entire 
offensive coaching staff. They did move on from every single one of their position coaches, with the exception of one tight end Clancy, tight end coach Clancy Brown, which was the right decision, uh, by the way. But um, you've got uh, Joel Thomas, the former running back coach, now headed over to New York to be the running back coach there. Cody Burns was let go from the wide receiver coach position. Uh, offensive line coach Doug Marone was let go as well. The Saints moved on from Bob Bicknell, offensive assistant. They also moved on from, or not moved on from, but offered a wide receiver coach move for Ronald Curry from quarterback coach and passing game coordinator. But he instead did the right thing, stuck with the quarterback trajectory. We, we broke down yesterday why it's important to where like once you're working with quarterbacks, keep working with quarterbacks if you want to progress. And if you want to continue to advance, it was the right decision. He's headed over to Buffalo to work with a very high profile quarterback in Josh Allen. So very good there. Today, we got more news, which was that DJ Williams, the Saints offensive assistant who helped working with the quarterbacks, was an unsung hero working with the quarterbacks, actually pretty big loss for New Orleans, is headed over across the division to Atlanta to work with Raheem Morris as the assistant uh, quarterbacks coach there. My understanding is that he was also, what I've been told is that he was also offered a chance to like take a position here in New Orleans, but decided that because he wanted to work with quarterbacks, wanted to continue to work with quarterbacks, that he would head over to uh, Atlanta. That tells me that the position that was offered to DJ Williams was not the quarterback position, uh, but instead was one of the other coaching positions or maybe another assistant position or something like that. So uh, just something to keep in mind there that the Saints made an extended an offer, it sounds like, but wasn't one that fit for what DJ Williams wanted, which makes perfect sense. Uh, in case you missed it, New Orleans Saints offensive line assistant Kevin Carberry also headed across the division, going to the Bucks as their offensive line coach. So for me, Carberry was one of those guys that made sense as a potential replacement in-house for Doug Marone, worked as the offensive line coach in Los Angeles uh, before coming here to New Orleans as the offensive line assistant. That was one of those things that kind of made sense to me. Like you get the blend of the Shanahan McVay offensive styles there. It could make a lot of, it could work. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that you know Clint Kubiak is very likely going to bring somebody from San Francisco or bring somebody that he has worked with. Remember, one of the guys that is a front runner for this position, in case you missed it, is John Benton, who worked with Gary Kubiak back in Houston, worked with Kyle Shanahan also in Houston, but then also in San Francisco, and then worked with uh, Mike LaFleur when he left San Francisco to become the offensive coordinator in New York in 2022. John Benton went with him. He's had several and produced several um, top five run games has also produced some bottom five run games, uh, has had seasons to where, you know, runs of seasons to where his teams were bottom five when it comes to sacks allowed has had runs where he's allowed, you know, where his offensive lines have allowed, um, you know, amongst the most sacks in the NFL. The, the good news is that generally speaking, the longer that he's been with the team, the better they've gotten in both of those metrics. So he inherits a team that isn't running the ball well, that's not protecting the quarterback well. And then by the end of his tenure or by the, you know, a couple of years in, they're much better at blocking for the run game and they're much better at protecting the quarterback. So that's good trajectory. That's what you want to see in a position uh, like that. And I mentioned Ronald Curry over to Buffalo. So uh, in case you missed it, some of the potential replacements for quarterback coach seem pretty obvious. Um, Brian Greasy could potentially come over from San Francisco. He's already the quarterback coach in San Francisco, so it would be a little bit of a lateral move, although the Saints could interest him by saying, hey, come over here, you'll be the quarterback coach and the passing game coordinator, which interests him a little bit closer to more experience in terms of interviewing for offensive coordinator positions. Remember, Greasy interviewed with the Saints for the offensive coordinator position in addition to Clint Kubiak, uh, but uh, I think Clint Kubiak was the right choice there. 
And so you could potentially get Brian Greasy over, but it feels likely that it'll be Clay Kubiak, who works as the assistant quarterbacks coach over in San Francisco, bring him over. And now he gets the opportunity to be the quarterback coach with his older brother as the OC. Um, it's just the way that the NFL works sometimes in conversations like that, but still would be a good hire. Um, as for a wide receiver coach, as for running backs coach, it's going to be really interesting to see where all that goes. I, I mean, my, my kind of like crazy idea here is that uh, with all the offensive coordinator positions effectively filled at this point, Eric Bieniemy is probably doesn't look like he's landing an OC position. He's not staying in Washington. So if he ends up doing a position coach thing, his roots are in the running back spot. And so he could be a running back coach this season before getting another offensive coordinator opportunity elsewhere in 2025. I know it sounds crazy to talk about Eric Bieniemy as a as a running back coach candidate, but there's no other there's no head coaching spots. There's no OC spots for him to go to, or at least that he's in conversation for, it seems like. And so for now, yeah, he's probably going to have to take a position coach job as most coaches in that situation do, or take a year away from the game, also a possibility. Uh, but considering he's only got one year as an offensive play caller, you probably want to stay in the confines of the NFL. So it could be an option there. The Saints could also you know, bring somebody over from San Francisco. You've got like Bobby Turner, who is the assistant running backs coach, along with Anthony Lynn, who's also assistant head coach. So you could bring Bobby Turner over, make him, and it's, you know, making him the full on um, running backs coach. So an opportunity uh, there too. So uh, yeah, I, I think that you, you've got enough options in terms of potential, potential things. The one that I have the biggest question about is who's going to be the wide receiver coach, because now we've heard that the Saints offer the wide receiver coach position to Ronald Curry. He turned that down and went to, uh, Buffalo, that's per Cat Terrell over at ESPN. And then you have to imagine that the job that they offered DJ Williams might have been the wide receiver job, could have been like an assistant wide receiver coach or something like that. But considering that he went and took a quarterback position elsewhere, it means that he probably wasn't offered a quarterback spot here in New Orleans. So if he was offered something else, it would have to be something outside of quarterback coach, or at least some kind of assistant something, but not assistant quarterback coach, because that's what he's taking over in Atlanta. So the levels of deduction tend to say, okay, well, maybe they offered him the wide receiver coach job. So who's getting that gig? I have, you know, champion Brian Hartline coming up from Ohio State, coming up from the college ranks, taking a, a position coach opportunity in the NFL. That's one that I've championed quite a bit. But there's also guys like you can see if you can get the lateral move and poach somebody over from San Francisco and all that. But there will probably be somebody like John Benton who's connected to Kubiak in some way in the past that could potentially end up here in that position. But the Saints have a lot of work to do when it comes to building out their offensive coaching staff. But hey, if you wanted changes, you got them. And I think that's the biggest takeaway here for this week in terms of what we've seen. So um, don't forget, we'll be back with you on Monday, Mock Draft Monday. Also keep you up to date with everything going on. Hopefully, Clint Kubiak official uh, by either Monday or Tuesday's episode uh, in time for all of that. So there you go. There you have it. That's getting you caught up for the week. Enjoy the Super Bowl this weekend. Enjoy Mardi Gras. As always, if you see me say hi, if you're at a parade, I'm at it. It'd be that simple. So look for me. Uh, I'm not hard to miss with this big bald head. I appreciate you very much making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. Locked On Pelicans, man. Pelicans, they're they're fighting. They're fighting. No moves at the trade deadline, but they're still looking good. Go and check out what Jake Madison's got to say over there. LSU Tigers also looking really good right now, too, in terms of that recruiting class over in football. Locked On LSU, Caroline Fenton has all of that taken care of for you. So I appreciate you very much, y'all, for making Locked On Saints a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me on the show. As always, if you see me, please say hi. And if you want... Anything else around New York, New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on your favorite social media at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're moming them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.